Factor 2 is a podcast for rock climbers and mountaineers. It's produced and hosted by me, Will Treasure, and kindly supported by UKClimbing.com. For the past four years, we've tried to bring something a little different to the climbing world. The internet's awash with great interviews with top climbers, but I felt there's room for something more, and something that plays on the history of great literature in rock climbing. And I also hoped it would be something that could capture the sense of wonder and euphoria that I experience when I'm climbing myself. We release an episode around every two months, and we try to bring cinematic, structured storytelling to climbing. And this is a mix of essays, profiles, and documentary pieces. We tell epic tales, we document parts of climbing history, but most importantly, as one listener put it, we tease apart the fabric of climbing culture. In the past 12 months, we've got a little meta, asking why we tell the stories we do, and importantly, who gets to tell them? Uh, I should, I guess I should maybe um, preface what I say with, um, because it is relevant, I think, in in terms of thinking about who has the right to tell stories, because that's something that I'm really interested in in my life as a a fiction writer as well. Um, And whenever I get interviewed about anything to do with climbing primarily, I always feel like a fraud and I always feel like I have to start off by saying, but I'm not a proper climber. I'm not very good. I I just go out for fun. I don't do anything noteworthy at all or even particularly dangerous. And it's taken me quite a long time to believe and believe quite passionately now, I think, that those experiences are worth sharing and that those 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 things are valid to talk about as well because they're part of a lot of people's experience of um of of what it is to climb and why they they love climbing we documented the making of two contrasting climbing films 1998's hard grit is a cult classic that brought the hardest and scariest climbs from england's peak district to a worldwide audience as well as a few unforgettable characters Parthenshot was a, an A-list climb and Seb wasn't an A-list climber. Seb was a sort of uh, like a have-a-go hero and he got up some things uh, on grit like uh, Gaia and he didn't deserve to get up Gaia. This sounds really unfair and I don't mean it to be unfair but I'm trying to put across why Seb trying Parthenshot just seemed like a madness, madness act. But he, uh, he kept at it and, and everyone really loved the fact that he was trying it. But they didn't. It was like, uh, you know, some guy in the local gym trying to keeps arranging a fight with Mike Tyson. He keeps phoning Mike Tyson's agent to see, could he come and could we have a fight? It was a bit like that. I don't know. I don't mean Mike Tyson today, but I mean Mike Tyson from the 90s. Uh, my name's Bob and I'd really love to fight Mike. Any chance I could fight Mike? No. Don't don't fall back here again. I was Seb looking for billiards for Parthian Sean. Filmmaker Rich Heap told me that one film he was really inspired by was Fred Padula's El Capitan, which I just thought was amazing. I mean, the sound design in that was brilliant. Yeah, that was that was a big influence on me. I think out of all, out of all the climbing films that I've seen, that was the most influential because I really needed it then. And that was handy because I'd already interviewed Fred. And in the next episode, we told the epic tale of a very different film. This one was big budget, took 10 years in production. And decided he had no choice but just to pull out of it. I wasn't that personally involved with it. 
And I just couldn't imagine destroying the footage. Uh, I figured that if I didn't do anything with it, somebody would someday. And uh, so I never really had a conversation about it ever since. He disappeared for 10 years uh, out of my life. So I was left with all this footage and I didn't know what to do with it. And it basically sat in my basement for almost 10 years. But um, I, during that period of time, paid off all the debts over a period of about three uh, years or so and got out of debt. And then, But the film was still heavily weighted on me. Everyone kept asking, when am I going to finish the film? It's kind of ironic that when am I going to finish the film? I didn't know what the hell the film was supposed to be about. I, I knew at the time Gary Snyder, the poet. So when the film was essentially done, I showed it to him and I said I was kind of not quite sure where to, where it was, whether it was what else I had to do with it to make it, to finish it. And he looked at it and he says, eh, Fred, it's done. Don't touch it. Just leave it as it is. And that gave me the confidence to say, okay, I guess, I guess I'll just get a print made. And that's kind of how it finishes by him saying, yeah, it's good enough. Leave it alone. It's done. And it's kind of the way a painter sometimes paints. You know, he, he's painting a picture, and at some point he decides, I guess it must be done. I'm going to go on to my next picture, uh, my next painting. And uh, it, again, it's all kind of unconscious uh, and sublime almost. What I've been really proud of in our episodes is dancing around the question of why we climb and why we take risks and why it's so addictive. And we sneak up on this question by understanding and framing our characters. Because motivation is a very weird thing. And in climbing, it can feel ethereal. You're driven, but you don't always understand why. I mean, I'm not a religious person, really. I'm agnostic when it comes to my Christianity. Although I think there, there are gods. I think they live, in, they live in the world. They are the world in a way. And I could experience that up on the rocks in places where I'd never experienced that anywhere else, you know. And to me, that was the, the biggest attraction. And being with the people, being with climbing with the people, with the very special people when you climb with them. You know, anybody that you climb, that climbs is a special person, I think. At least the ones I've climbed with have been. And uh, there's something unique about them. They're willing to to put the risk out there, to, to learn what they have to learn from being, you know, committing yourself to something that you're afraid to commit yourself to, that kind of stuff. And to me, that, that was the important, that's what I got out of it. And I think that's one of the reasons I could walk away from it is I got what I was going to get out of it. I was ready to go on to some other kind of experience. Audio gives us a chance to reflect and we can draw our thoughts in during the silences and it gives a chance to revisit those historical tales with a modern view. And sometimes it helps you to join some very unexpected dots, like when I spoke to Pete Oxley about his obsession with climbing new routes on the south coast of England. I was into a lot of different music. I mean, I used to listen to... Whereas other people might have a social life and go out on a Friday evening or Saturday night... (laughs) I was religiously listening to John Peel. Like Friday night was, uh, you know, 11 till 2 in the morning or something. Just listen to what he's doing. He was basically more of an influence to my climbing than anybody else. Because <laughs> his music choice was just immaculate. I mean, wide ranging. And um, I, I loved everything he, he played, really. It could be anything from 
from South African little guitar band to you know, Polish thrash music to a Japanese speed band or something. It's just awesome music. Yeah, I just, um, I just sort of personally that I, you know, talking to a, a small band of friends that this vision of turning this. I've lost count of the number of times that listeners have messaged me saying, I never realised the full story there. Or that they'd joined their own dots on realising that a character in one story they'd heard reappeared somewhere else in a completely different context. My favourite was a listener from Canada who emailed me to say that he'd never realised that this scream was actually a guy he knew. The opening sequence to Hard Grit is iconic. The heartbeat, the distorted images, the guitar chords. And the scream. More than anything, I hope that Factor 2 captures that sense of wonder for my listeners, because I get that from climbing but I also get it from really good storytelling. And we're still learning, but we've got a million stories left to tell. My key aim when I'm making episodes is to imagine that someone in 50 years' time is still going to want to listen to this episode with those people and maybe add their own flavour to it. It was, it was the scale and the awe and the, just looking down into all the crevasses and the, it seeming endless and it just seeming like this, this is the only landscape I'll ever experience again. This will never... It'll never change. I'm always going to be crossing. I'm just going to be going across here forever. And I just cried at the end of the day. I remember I remember crying and not really knowing why I was crying. Just that something about the landscape, as you say, had done that to me. 